stretching from the Pacific Northwest to the East Coast and landing in the Midwest, Joshua, Tracy, and Kelly present to you Rooted Perspectives, an audio and video podcast. Join us while we share our perspectives on a wide variety of topics that are both culturally and socially relevant, ranging from current events, travel, technology, lifestyle, pop culture, finance, careers, and so much more. Three diverse perspectives rooted across the country. Alrighty, thank you and welcome back to Rooted Perspectives. As always, you have your three co-hosts, Joshua, Tracy, and Kelly. (laughs) Today we have a fourth person on the podcast. If you are watching, you can see she is a dear friend of mine, as well as the CEO and founder of West Coast Insurance Brokers, Miss Sophia Adams. So, Miss Sophia, do you want to introduce yourself a little bit? Yeah. Hi. Good evening. My name is Sophia. I am the owner, president, founder, all that, <laughs> of West Coast Insurance. Uh, my company specializes in insurance specifically for businesses. Um, been doing it for almost a decade now, probably do it for a few decades more. Awesome. So, so, uh, so Sophia, can you explain to us what is, uh, the main difference between an insurance agent and an insurance broker? Yeah, definitely. So an insurance agent represents one insurance company, a broker represents them all. Kind of the best way to explain it would be if you personally go to Alaska and say, I want to book a flight to Mexico, Alaska Airlines will only give you the option of booking a flight with Alaska. But if you go to a travel agent, they can book with Alaska, with Delta, United, American, and they can see who has the best price for your Mexico trip and then offer you the best price. So that's kind of what I do in the insurance world. I represent all the insurance companies and it's my job to go to all the them and shop them out and see who has the best rates. All right. Well, that's good to know. So then going to an insurance broker, are there insurance companies that you're able to access directly through an insurance broker that you cannot just buy your regular self? Yeah, that's a good question. So most people, when you say, you know, insurance companies, we think of Progressive or Allstate or Liberty Mutual. But there's insurance companies that you've never heard of being like Colony or Developer Surety, United Specialty, Gemini Insurance Company. All these a consumer can't go to directly to access quotes. You have to go through a broker. So and again, not an agent either. So going through a broker significantly helps because you're able to essentially shop with everybody, even insurance companies that you as a consumer wouldn't have access to. So, so like if somebody went to a broker, like what would be some more differences? Like instead of like just getting quotes, like what are some other big differences between like, I'm just going to go to progressive as towards going with a broker and you have all these other options. Like what else does that do for you? Well, as far as to the consumer, um, the biggest thing for the consumer is instead of you, if you have a business, you have employees, you need workers comp by law, you have to have workers comp, right? Cause you have employees to protect them. So instead of just going to one insurance company and getting their price, you go to somebody like me and I shop it with all the insurance companies. And I'm able to put all these applications out with all these insurance companies and they're all sending me back their prices. And then I can send those all to you and say, Hey, this is what I would recommend because of this coverage, or this is what I'd recommend because of this price. So having somebody not only looking at the price tag for you, but understanding the coverages that all these insurance companies are offering and be able to simplify that into language that, you know, people understand because insurance lingo is kind of its own language. So being able to have the ability to simplify that. Okay. So where did, where did you get the inspiration to do this? Like what made you decide that this is what, this is something you wanted to do? It's funny you say that. Cause I have a lot of people say, you know, 
everybody hates insurance. It's such a boring industry. And I actually love it. And how I got inspired to do it is um, just over 10 years ago, I had two people on social media that were kind of acquaintances of mine. One was in real estate and one was in insurance. And I liked the lives that they were living. And I was like, I know I'm good at sales. I know I'm good at, you know, I'm a people person. And I feel like I could do those two careers. So I really sat down and wrote the pros and cons and I actually have it hanging in my office because it means that much to me. But the pros and cons of real estate and insurance and the cons with real estate was it took over my nights and weekends, so I couldn't be with my kid. It also is a one and done. I like to call it like a car salesman. Your commission that you get is one and then it's done. But insurance, you get its residual income. It goes every single year as long as the person renews. And the biggest one, because I'm a big travel junkie, is I can do it anywhere in the world. So I don't need to be somewhere specific to show homes. I can be on the other side of the world and selling insurance policies. So because of those three reasons, I chose insurance over real estate. And I'm, I'm glad of my decision. <laughs> so did you start as like owning the company or did you work from someone else and then eventually like branch off or how did that start like in the beginning of your insurance career? Yeah, so I worked as a subcontractor yeah, so to an agency, a, a broker that um, did insurance for construction contractors. And I worked with them for two years it was kind of a toxic situation. So I decided to part ways and I just was like, you know what, I'm going to make the jump. And if I fly, I fly. And if I fail, I'll learn. And so I did, I made the leap and opened up my own agency, started it completely from scratch, you know, got down cold calling. I was working shoot 12 hour days easily. I would never take a day off just like nose to the grindstone just ticking off goals every single day. And that's how I, that's how I got here. What, what do you think would be like the hardest thing starting that business at the beginning? Capital. I think anytime you start a company, you know, there, there's a financial aspect that you need to make sure that you're aware of. And um, anytime you're talking about any type of finance or, um, you know, regulated industries, you're talking about a, a lot of capital that you have to have to invest into it to be able to make sure that, you know, you're going to succeed. So, of course, money. Um, I think also dedication, you know, a lot of people want to start a company, but maybe they have their hands in, in too many pots. So if, if you want to start a company, really just pouring everything you have into it, um, Feel like that has helped me as well did it take you a long time to kind of like build up your book of business i was about to ask that yes actually so yes, even actually, to today so i don't market myself at all i don't pay for advertisement i don't pay for leads i don't have any type of lead generation i cold call and I'm a weirdo, but I personally love cold calling. I love that hustle. I love that chase. I love when people tell me no, because it's almost like a game. You know, it's like, you just don't know what I'm trying to explain to you that I can save you money. So maybe I can try to make you see it and say yes. So that's the bulk of my business. The rest of it came from referrals. So um, I've been, I mean, I want to say lucky, but it's also a lot of hard work that um, has got me to where I'm at. It, it definitely wasn't, you know, marketing or any type of lead generation service. It was all just nose the grindstone hard work. Can you explain to our listeners cold calling and like what you do when you do that? Yeah. So um, I have a, a list that I use of um, specifically contractors. Um, so I do construction insurance and then I also do the marijuana industry. Um, so I help both of these industries with their business insurance needs, like general liability, bonds, workers comp, commercial auto, this kind of stuff, boring, but long story short, these contractors have to have insurance. And that's why you hear contractors say I'm licensed, bonded and insured. Well, I'm half of that. I'm giving them their, uh, bond and insurance so that they can work and be a contractor. Uh, so when I'm calling these people, you know, I'm able to see via public information who they are currently with because they are legally 
required to have insurance. So I can tell if they're a good company or not. I can tell if I can save them money or not. So I'm just calling them, you know, saying, hey, I can see that you're with this carrier. I can see you're coming up for renewal next month. And I know five carriers right now that can save you money. I'd love to be able to offer you a quote, send it over. And, you know, you choose to do what you want with it. But I'll take the work out of it for you because I know you're best suited in the field or you would be a receptionist. You wouldn't be a construction worker, you know, owning a construction company if you wanted to do paperwork. So I try to throw that angle because a lot of contractors, you know, they hate paperwork. They're good with their hands. They want to be out, you know, building, designing, creating things. And paperwork is definitely not what they like. So I like to uh, take that from them. And by taking that, I'm also helping them save money in the process. So I have a question then. Uh, Your job seems intense, um, like, with knowledge, things like that. So what type of schooling or education do you need to become an insurance broker? Do you need a a four-year degree or how does that process go? Yeah, so you don't need any college degree. You do need to have your GED or high school diploma. Um, But essentially, it's an online course. It's pretty brutal. as far as, you know, taking all the, the, the tests and the knowledge and the education. And then you have to go to the state bar and take your actual insurance test, which I feel like anytime you do those big state tests, they always try to reverse, you know, double negative just to try to trip you up. And they definitely do that. But um, it's really, I, I want to say it's simple, but it's, it's not like you have to spend all this money on college degrees. You don't have to you know, work in a certain industry for a certain time before you can get this license. It's really just going online, doing the schooling. It takes about four to six months, um, depending on how much time you can put towards it, and then taking your state exam. Wow. Well, thank you for that knowledge, Sophia. Yeah. So um, I guess we can get into, uh, well, actually, another question, I guess. (laughs) What is... What has been one of your greatest, like, I don't want to say struggles, but having your business, like having employees, things like that, um, finding good quality labor, how, how has that been for you? I feel like all business owners can relate to this, but finding employees that want to work is a huge thing. And then finding employees that are, are loyal to you and want to, you know, invest their time just as much as I want to invest my time in them is hard. Um, I, I like to say that I, I specifically make it a point to treat my employees above and beyond because I've worked for companies that didn't. And I just saw the, you know, circle around of, of getting new people and, and trying to get people. It was just crazy. So I do a lot of things to try to you know, make my employees feel special and like, you know, this is a spot that they can grow in. So the hardest struggle I think for me is always, you know, employees and and finding those people that fit with the culture of our office, because that's important too. Um, So I would say employees, yeah. But I do have two rock stars in my office right now, just throw that out there. Are they other agents? Are these like um, customer service reps? Yeah. So I have one of them. She's an agent. Um, She came to me as an agent. And then I have another one that I took in as customer service. And then um, she told me that she wanted to go that path of of being an agent. So I helped her get licensed. um, And she's in that process right now getting licensed. She actually just finished the schooling. I think a couple days ago. So we threw a small little, you know, hey, you're awesome party. And um, now she has to take her uh, state exam. But so, yeah, I like to give the employees the option. You know, you can you can come into this, you know, cold calling. You can come into this customer service or if you want to grow and, you know, you could easily make six figures as an agent. You know, if that's the route you want to go, then let's explore that. So, you know, having the ability to to grow in a for me is huge. So what are you going to say? How many employees do you have that do cold calls like you do? 
I do. I have two. What do you think their struggles are? Like watching them through their process. I feel like most, I don't think it's just them. I feel like for most people, you know, being told no, or, you know, that's a hard thing to try to overcome. And I don't think most people see it the way I do. It's like, tell me no, please tell me no. So I can tell you yes. And why? And most people don't see it like that. Um, you know, people get told no, and, and all of a sudden it's like, oh, man, another one said no, having that feeling. And, and I think, and I think just re-looking at it, you know, just saying, you know, I could be upset that this person said no, or I can show them why they should be saying yes. And I, I like to teach people that because if you keep getting upset that people are saying no, regardless, it doesn't matter if you're cold calling, it could be anything in life, you know, if, if you if you change the way you look at it and just say, well, I know this person is telling me no, but maybe there's something else I can learn from this and, you know, maybe say it in a different way because they're not understanding and because they're not understanding, they're saying no. So that's my thought on it. Um, with kind of your process, do you also help out the contractors if they have claims or are you more like on the front end piece of it? Yeah, that's a great question. So again, I'm a broker, so I work directly for my client. I don't work for the insurance company. So at the end of the day, I want, I'm going to be that bulldog for my client. So if they have a claim, they don't come to me for the claim. They go to the insurance company for the claim, but I'm the one that when they're saying, Hey, this adjuster is like, you know, confusing me or they should be paying for this and they're denying it. That's when I come in with the guns and I say, hey, insurance company, this, this, this is not correct. Or you need to be getting on the phone with my client because you haven't reached out to him in two weeks and this is not okay. Um, that's my job. My job is to be there for my client, almost like an attorney, if you will. I'm not an attorney, but, you know, being that one, you know, behind your client saying, hey, don't mess with my person, you know, that's that's my job. So, um I think I think making sure that you're you're shopping out your broker is definitely a lot more important than shopping out your price. I feel like that's kind of a a, a thing society does with with a lot of things, but insurance is definitely a service based industry where you know whoever you're buying your insurance from, you're leaning on them to explain to you in. in you know, kindergarten language, what all this lingo means. And you're relying on them that they're going to go up against the insurance company and say, this is wrong, make it right. You know, you're leaning on them for that. And a lot of people are just saying, oh, I can save $5 by going over here with this agent. In all actuality, you should really be shopping out your agent. You should be saying, how many years have you done this? What do you specialize in? You know, do, are you used to, you know, working with claims? Are you used to sending certificates out? You know, how, how fast can you get me a certificate if I ask for it? Um, these questions are really what people should be asking agents and brokers, but they don't. What do you think? Oh, uh, what are some of, I have one, another, one more question about claims. Um, <laughs> I have so many questions, but um, what's, what are some of the craziest like stories you've heard? Like, have you had businesses where like if employees have had freak accidents or? Yeah. Any weird, crazy claims? I mean, some scary ones where I had um, a roofing contractor whose employee fell off of a five-story roof because he wasn't tied in, had to get life flighted out. That's kind of Ouch. scary. Um, I mean, and you can't even prepare for that one. That one's just very scary for everybody involved. Um other crazy ones, man, I think that's really the only one that sticks out. Everything else is, you know, the, the, somebody framed a half an inch off and, you know, it's, it's all messed up or, or trusses were being built like trusses that support the, the roof of a house and they all fell over. Um, so nothing too, you know, too, too crazy. That was probably my only one that was like, you know, I, I, I was just like, I, I need to do something. What can I do? There's very little you can do, but just being there for your client and helping them through the ABCD of what needs to get done, you know, try to be the black and white when there's so much gray going on in their life. Um, 
but yeah. Go ahead, Josh. I know you wanted to ask her something. No, I was just going to ask. Yes, I was actually going to ask her something. So besides business, uh, what do you like to do in your spare time, Sophia? Oh, I love traveling. Traveling is definitely uh, my addiction of choice. Um, I love traveling. I love dancing. I'm really big into ballroom dancing. I like salsa, tango, bachata, West Coast swing, um, singing. I love singing. You know that, Josh. <laughs> um, yeah, I think uh, hanging out with my, my daughter. I have an 11-year-old daughter, and we like going out and doing activities and adventures. So, yeah, that's what I like to do. Are you originally from the Portland area? Yep. I was born and raised in Oregon, yep. Hillsboro, specifically. So it seems like you you work when you travel a lot. Is there ever a time? I am a recruiter and we're just like never really off the clock. Are, is that kind of the case for you too? 100%. Or do you ever feel like you can totally shut it off? Oh, goodness, no. I, I wouldn't want to. <laughs> I'm that weirdo. I don't want to shut it shut it off. So absolutely, 100%, I am always working. Um, people that know me very well know that I always have my phone next to me with my emails out. Or when I'm out um, traveling, I'm always on my computer. I'll be down sitting by the swimming pool, just on my computer, in the swimming pool, on my computer. So it, it never really shuts off definitely a workaholic so do you do you work that much because you feel like you need to or do you work that much because you enjoy it and you want to like what I is legitimately it? What, love is, my what work. is it for you that makes you what yeah, is I it legitimately that you love, so love my work it, I love... oh sorry <laughs> we're both talking go ahead i apologize no i just can't say because like it's insurance so from the outside looking at it, it's so boring like what is yeah. it about this specifically that makes me that makes you go i this is something i love doing this is something i want to do yeah, that's a, that's a great question because exactly what you said. You're like, insurance, ew, who would ever want to just love doing that? Um, but for me, like I said, I work with a lot of contractors. Um, contractors are definitely my bread and butter. Um, that's what I do all day long for the most part. So with contractors, I found out very quickly that most contractors hate paperwork. They usually don't have somebody in the office to help them with the paperwork, to ask, you know, to get those the insurance stuff they need, you know, they don't have the ability or they don't want to fill out, you know, applications. They don't want to do all this stuff. They want to be in the field. So for me, the reason why I love my job so much is I have, I love paperwork. I love, you know, being on the computer, typing stuff out, you know, sending emails, filling out applications. That's what I'm good at. I love it. I can multitask, you know, that's just kind of really my strength. So I feel like I'm able to give something to these contractors, my help. So I'm not just selling them an insurance policy. I'm helping them start up. I mean, just yesterday, I had a client come in, starting up a brand new business. I helped them fill out their um, Oregon Secretary of State, got their business up and running. I helped them fill out their contractor's application, obviously got them their insurance, and they left with the whole pack ready to go to get their license. That's where I find the joy. I find the joy in being able to help people where the clerical stuff is not really where their brain is, is good at. Their brain is building, you know, hands-on, not behind the computer. So I just feel like I'm a, a, a good asset and help to them. And that's why I love it. So this is probably a common knowledge thing, but it just kind of clicked to me. Like, I love teaching people things that they don't know. And so I'm curious with you, like, do you enjoy it so much because there was a point in time where either A, somebody didn't help you when you asked for help, or B, you didn't know any of this stuff you know now, and now that you do know it, you can pass it on to people. Is that kind of like the give and take? I feel like that's yeah. very, very spot on both areas not being able to, you know, in the very beginning, I wasn't really trained. I was thrown in the hot seat and figure it out. And that's how it went the whole time. So, you know, learning all this stuff and doing things wrong to then learn how to do them right. You know, I learned that all on my own. Um, 
And so now having that knowledge and being able to help other people, of course, yes, I love that. And then to your second piece, um, you mentioned something, something along the lines of being able to, to help have the ability to help them out because they need it. I think you said, um, and, and, and definitely. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, just like from my experience, like there have been times in my life where like, like for stocks, for example, you know, some people weren't willing to help me like at all. They'd be like, yeah, just go watch YouTube or like I'd ask for advice on ranger school and people wouldn't really help me, you know? And it was just like, I remember that feeling of people not willing to like put forth 15 minutes, 20 minutes of their life to help me. And so I get a lot of joy out of giving my time to people to just dumb things down because I feel like I need things dumbed down because I don't understand things very well. And so I get a lot of joy out of helping people in whatever aspect if I can, because like I said, I remember what it was like when somebody didn't help me. So I like that. Yeah. I don't think I've ever been really conscious of that until you, until you brought that up, but I definitely think that plays a, a big role for sure. Yeah. It's kind of powerful in a way and a moving in a way because you get to watch somebody go away from an experience way calmer and happier and more knowledgeable. And it was because of you and it's a very yeah. uplifting, powerful thing. Yeah. I agree with that. I agree. Sure. So, Kelly, do you have any travel questions for Miss Sophia? Well, um, I'd love to hear just some more details, kind of like, did you, let me clarify this. Did you grow up, like, traveling? So, um, my who I call my mom so, is technically my grandmother. So, she was older, you know, that's was my mom was my grandmother. So she was older when she was raising me. So she was in a little bit better position to be able to go out and explore. So to answer your questions, yes, my mom would go once a year to Mexico and she would take me. And then she was big on cruises. So I did a few cruises when I was younger with my mom. And then, you know, she's taken me to different states. I also had the ability when I was in high school to be a foreign exchange student in Korea. Um, so I was definitely exposed to, to traveling when I was younger. Um, my mom would always say, we don't smoke, we don't drink, we don't gamble, but we spend our money on traveling. Um, so yes, I did. I did get to be able to experience that at a younger age. What, what has been your favorite vacation you've ever taken? Ooh. Um, I'm going to probably have to say I just got back from Greece and Egypt. I was there for three weeks and um, Santorini, Greece was absolutely just incredible. Better than Hawaii. I feel I've never been to Bora Bora, but I feel like better than Bora Bora. It was just like picturesque, perfect. All these white walls everywhere, beautiful blue ocean. It was just picturesque and perfect. And then, I mean, Egypt. It's just like the history is just absolutely mind-blowing, the pyramids. So those are, those are probably some two big ones. When you go on a trip, are you someone who ahead of time likes to have like a very specific itinerary or just kind of go with the flow? I'm kind of someone who is in the middle where I like to have like a list of things I want to accomplish, but then I just figure it out like once I get there. I love that because a lot of people get so annoyed when I say this, but yes, I am a very ABC person. I am very black and white. I want to have the each line item, you know, I want my life to be on a spreadsheet. You know, do this at this time is very helpful for me. Um, so yes, I definitely like to have an itinerary, um, two or three things I might actually reserve and plug in. You know, and then I might have a list of, you know, I want to do these other things. So I'll integrate these on the off times. Um, and then I'll also create, you know, off time that is just like free time, do whatever. So I'm definitely an organized itinerary person for sure. Well, I think it's important, like, and I, under I understand why a lot of people don't want to like schedule things out, especially on a trip. There's, oh, I just want to go travel and have fun. But like, if there are certain things you want to do, like you might want to plan out exactly what you want to do so that you're not going to places like Italy or Greece and be like, okay, now what do I want to do? You know what I yep. mean? Like, 
Or you have two people saying, smart. what do you want to do? Cool. I don't know. What do you want to do? Uh, I don't yeah, care. Exactly. You know, like, and then you're sitting there. Yeah. And then you're sitting there looking for stuff to do and you're just wasting time in Italy. Yeah. Stuff up or whatever. And it's just, or you're looking up something to do. And it's already sold out. You're like, you yeah. can't even do it because it's sold and out. And some people like some experiences in some places you need reservations. So. Yep. Exactly. Yeah. So how many countries have you been to Sophia? Well, um, I've been to every continent except Antarctica, and I'm going actually to Antarctica for my birthday next year in November, so I can check that off my box. Um, how many countries? I mean, I could I could name them off, probably close to Ballpark. 30, maybe. Jeez, that's insane. If you could go back to any three, what three would you go back to? Philippines, 100%. Um, Philippines definitely has my heart. Um, so I would say anywhere in Asia, I love Asia. Uh, but if I could pick three Philippines, Greece and Iceland. Okay. I got to ask why the Philippines? Cause I feel like the Philippines, like you have the beaches, you know, I get that, but like, obviously there's more to it. Like what's so special about the Philippines? Man, the people, the people. I have never really? met more giving, gracious, humble people in my life. People that literally have absolutely nothing. They don't have shoes on their feet. They live in, you know, tin huts. You know, I, I'm not talking about going, I'm like out in the rural areas where not in the touristy areas, you know, but people that literally have nothing and they don't even know you, but they're like, come, come, come eat dinner with us. You know, and they literally have, I'm telling you, they have nothing at all. They're running in the streets with no shoes on, you know, kicking a ball and that's their fun. And we're over here in America. Like I'm mad at my neighbor because they just bought a new car. And it's like, it just really puts into perspective, you know, people that literally have nothing and they're still happier than the people that have everything. You know, and that sounds was something identical really... to Afghanistan. Okay, yeah, yeah, the like identical. Wow, I can agree. But the, it's just the people, the food, the culture. The culture is very family oriented, very neighborhood oriented. You know, if I live here in the Philippines, I know everybody around me. Do you? Do you? I mean, I'm not saying you're doing anything wrong, but I don't. I don't know the names of, you know, 10 of my neighbors, you know, let alone maybe two, maybe two, you know, and it's not like I go there and, and once a week and say hello, or, you know, if, if we say hello, we're walking past each other. Hi, hi. And then you're walking past there. If you say hi to somebody, you're stopping and you're engaging and you're having a conversation and everything's going away and you're in that moment. It's just, it's just completely different. Things are so slowed down and we, and in Philippines, you know, they actually, you feel like people really care. And in America, it's like, go, 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 rush, 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 we're on to the next thing. We always want to buy the next better thing. We, it's like, we want to be better than our neighbors. You know, we just have that mentality. That's, that's our culture, you know? And I just love the Filipino culture and the people. They just touched me in a way that I can't really explain other than that. Oh, I understand it. I, yeah, I get it. I remember, I remember when we were in Afghanistan, we would have our supplies dropped in because we were in Afghanistan or in the mountains and the locals would like come grab our parachutes and just talk to us. And like, yeah, coming back from that experience was just like, man, fuck everybody. Like, this is so ridiculous. The things that we complain about here, like yep. it does not matter. Like, yep, it doesn't. It's frustrating. Like you always hear your parents say, oh, there's so... people out there that have far less you know, we don't really think much of it until you actually see it. You know, it's one thing to hear something like that, read something about like that, but actually being in that moment, like you're talking about, it's, it, man, it humbles you. Yeah. So food wise, being in the Philippines, yes. what is some of the craziest food that you've tried there? Because honestly, I'm a very vanilla tech person. I like cheeseburgers, pizza, french fries. 
I don't really explore outside of that, really. But, yeah, so what's some crazy stuff you've tried? Okay, so um, there's a Filipino barbecue. It's pork's blood. So it's, it looks like a square that's on a skewer, and it's blood that's been barbecued. And it's kind of like a like a jello-y kind of consistency. It's very weird. Uh, of course, chicken feet. It's another uh, Filipino barbecue. It's just little feet of the chicken. Uh, but the weirdest thing is probably balut. So balut is a fertilized chicken egg. So they boil it like you would a, a, an egg, but when you crack it open, there is a bird inside of it. <laughs> and you can even crunch the I think feet. I've seen those. And it is so good. You had one? Yeah, I, I oh try anything. God. I even tried the little, yeah. uh, they're not maggots, they're more like worms, but it's a delicacy in Philippines. Yeah. And they're like little, and they wiggle, yeah. and, oh. and that was not my favorite. Yeah. The blue like was long. really good. Yeah. The blue tastes like. Note very, to very self: popular. never travel with Sophia to the Philippines. You what? Say that okay, again? so here's on another. Go ahead, Josh. Go. I said, note to self: never travel to the Philippines with Sophia. Can't do the food. <laughs> we'll make sure you. It's okay. You can take me. I'll go. <laughs> We'll bring bags of chicken for Josh. Bags of beef so you can make burgers. Um, so where are some countries that you wouldn't want to go back to? Or that None. didn't maybe that you didn't have a good experience at? None, really. You'd have no bad experiences. Not one. Wow. Actually, the countries that I want to go more to, um, Egypt was my first Muslim country. And it's like, that's kind of a, a topic where it's like, it's, it's, you know, there's a lot of this and that on this topic, but um, taking that completely out, I want to visit more Muslim countries. I absolutely, it was a, it was an experience like Philippines where you have this mindset of something and you get it completely changed and humbled. So I definitely want to go to Saudi Arabia because I'm very fascinated with the culture, but as far as a bad experience, that's not awesome. one. I would go to any single one. Don't again. worry. Come, come visit me in Ohio and I'll change your mind. <laughs> <laughs> have you had have you had any bad food anywhere? Like surely you've had some food that was just like, I'm not doing that again. I mean the little maggot worm looking thing. That was weird. And uh Have you ever thrown up from anything? No. In Korea, they they would have these like fish with the little eyes and you would just eat it by itself and it wasn't cooked or it was dry. It was either not cooked and like brined or something. I don't know exactly how they make it or it was dried. And these eyes, when you bit into it, they would kind of like pop a little bit like boba kind of. It was, that was I'm good with that. <laughs> But, uh, we, got, we got super women in our podcast today. So Very out of all the countries that you've ever been to, which country has the friendliest people, would you say? Philippines. Philippines and Egypt. Interesting. Is there any country you want to where you didn't feel like welcomed or maybe the people weren't that great? Uh, probably France. And I'm not saying, I mean, ugh, I, I get nervous saying things like that. I just feel like it would be the same if somebody from the Philippines came to America. It's just a different culture. You know what I mean? So I don't think that anybody's intentionally not being, you know, nice. You're just talking about a different culture. So to say for a, somebody who's from the Philippines is used to this style of culture that they have that's very family oriented to come to America and somebody says hi and just walks right by you, they might feel, you know, geez, they're being mean or this, this is, this is rude, but it's just a culture difference. So I feel like the biggest culture difference and not again, like they're trying to be mean would probably be France. It's kind of, um, it, it was different or, or China, China was. So you've never, you've never been somewhere where they've kind of like snubbed their nose at you because you're American. Cause I know that some well, both Some people places. don't like Americans. 
China was definitely one that the moment you spoke English, I mean, you knew they spoke English, but you would say, hey, where's the bathroom? And they would look at you and do this. And then just oh, and do your, their own thing. Savage. Yeah, just no shits <laughs> given. Um, and, and France was not that bad, but, you know, you'd say, where's the bathroom, for example? And they'd be like, it's over there. It, with no, they're not giving you a direction. They're just like, it's over there. Kind of like, move along. I don't want to talk to you. So, you know, but. Rude. I still recommend going to both countries. They're amazing. Just, you got to understand this is a different culture. When you're, when you're planning a trip, how do you find out, like, what are your, what's your research process? Like, do you go on TikTok or what do you like to do to figure out what you're going to do while you're there? Um, so, so normally I would just like research, go onto Google, figure out the cool things that are around. I always definitely, you know, get people's opinions on, is it safe to drive a lot of places like, like Greece, Athens, Greece, or, um, even in Egypt or, um, some other places it's like Korea, um, Australia, there's different places where it's not necessarily the best to drive and it would probably be better to Uber. So I always like to check that out. Um, Ireland, for example, you're driving on the wrong side of the road in a stick shift. That's you're changing the gears with this hand, you know, the wrong hand, and you're filling up the tank with, with gas from a green nozzle. So everything about that is completely, you know, completely wrong because here a green nozzle is diesel. You know, you're driving with your stick with the, the right hand, you know, and then you're going into roundabouts starting from the left, you know, instead of starting from the right. So it was just like a whole, it, it, I mean, I still did it. I went all the way around the whole, the country, but it was, it was definitely an experience. So to answer your question, Google, you know, what are the awesome things to do here? Sometimes I'll be on TikTok or Instagram and see a place and be like, Ooh, I want to go there. And that's how I get an inspiration to go somewhere. But most of the times I just have a, a running list of the places I still want to go. What are the coolest tourist attractions you've been to? Tourist attractions. Or like views or both. Monuments, historical sites. Yeah. Yes. So um, in Ireland, um, actually, no, I think I'm going to go with, with Egypt again. Um, Egypt, the Valley of the Kings in Luxor, where they found where all the, the pharaohs and the kings were buried, buried. They have like from 4,000 years ago, these people built these huge tombs. And I mean, they are massive and elaborate with, you know, detailed hieroglyphics everywhere, beautiful, you know, paint, essentially artwork all over. And I just thought that was so incredibly impressive. Um, so I feel like that was pretty awesome. Uh, what other, the opera house in Australia and then climbing the bridge. Really? Um, in Sydney, that was pretty epic. Uh, Rio de Janeiro in Brazil, the big Jesus statue, climbing to the top of that. That was, that was awesome. The blue lagoon in Ireland, uh, Iceland. Um, it's like a natural hot spring that's icy, blue and then you grab this like white kind of clay and you rub it all over yourself and it's like the main attraction and in, in iceland that was that was definitely pretty wild um the tuk tuks in thailand little three wheeled carts um those are cool so you, you've been to australia huh yes every ever so been on every is it true what they say Okay. So is it true what they say that like did you see a lot of like animals and reptiles running around like everywhere? Everything kangaroos. wants to kill 100%. And kangaroos? Oh my gosh, I've always thought kangaroos were super cute and adorable. Fuck. Oops. Language alert, sorry. Heck no, they're not. Yeah. They are like, yeah. like boxers. They got these muscles and they're all defined in just these big chunky yeah. They don't mess you up. They do not mess around and they're territorial. They're little jerks are what they are. 
but they look so cute, you know, when they're in picture books. They're basically Sil Sylvester Stallone and fur. Well. <laughs> Definitely. Definitely. Have you been to Dubai? I have not. That's on my list. Dubai is very expensive. Yeah. Very expensive. But it's, it's definitely Did you know? Did you know? We, I think we covered this on one of the... We covered this, I think, on the last podcast. They don't get taxed there. So, like, in the trading world, some people go there to trade stocks because they don't tax them. Really? From what I, I hear. That. Yeah. That's yeah. cool. Maybe all the taxes are built in, and that's why it's expensive. Yeah, I mean, I, I know Iceland is expensive, but I think Dubai is definitely a lot more expensive. I want to go to that scuba diving. Have you guys seen it? That scuba diving place where it it's like a whole city underground and it's the deepest um, like indoor scuba place. You, you got to check it out. It's it's so awesome. It's awesome. And that's in Dubai? In Dubai, yeah. That's in Dubai? Mm -hmm. Of course yeah. it's in Dubai. <laughs> <laughs> we should go there on a trip one day and do an episode there. When we get 15 million on that tourist attraction. I mean, we're trying to get Josh to get us to Vegas. So maybe we should start there. Oh man, Vegas is, Vegas is awesome. Step. There's so many things to do, so many places to eat. I know people are always, I've never gambled or drank there. You know, like party, dinner, any of that. But everything else I've done. Well, you know, not everything. I, like I think I did stuff. it the opposite. I drank and gambled <laughs> and didn't do anything else. <laughs> yeah, Vegas is cool. There's so just to wrap limitless. Up, you're, you're good. Yeah, I've been to Vegas too once and we just played a bunch of golf and gambled and went to like this indoor arena, like this old Knights of the Round Table type of thing. Yes. Cool. Ate like a chicken leg. Yes, and they yeah. ran the horses around and did all the horses yeah, yeah. i want to call it pole vaulting such what is a it tourist trap the sticks and what is that jousting jousting yes yeah that was yeah. cool side effects can include death so be careful <laughs> uh so to wrap this up i'm curious like what are the main pros and cons of your career choice it's a lot of hard work. Um, you you have to be 110% dedicated if you want to succeed. Um, the, the thing about it is it, it, it's, it could appear easy, um, but it's not. It's 100% on all the time. Um, yeah. Any other reasons? It's hard. I mean, insurance itself, I feel like is not hard, but if you want to be an owner, I feel like anytime you're going to be an owner of anything, it changes, you know, the game, you have to give it a hundred percent or it's going to fail. It's a hundred percent up to you to make it work. Um, and it's only going to be as good as you are to it. Right. So, um, insurance is an awesome field it can make you really good money. But if, if you want to be an owner of it, be ready to put in the work. So if you could sum up why you would want to do this career, would you say it was would be because you can be very financially stable and kind of create your own schedule? For me, it's always been I want to be in control of my time and my money. Most people are in control of one or the other. They're in control of their money. They pick a career. They make six figures, but their time is dedicated to that career. They, they get, you know, two weeks off a year, whatever. Or people have their time, you know, but they don't have the money to do what they want. So the, uh, the big thing for me is to create income. Uh, I, want, I want seven sources of income. I'm working on that. Um, so that I can have full control of my time and money. So to answer your question, the reason why is because I will be able to put myself closer to having that control of time and money. That is awesome, Sophia. So what do you think would be a good skill set for somebody coming into this career field? What should they improve upon 
now that you've done it for so long? Um, goals. I would say regardless of what it is in life, whatever you choose to do, whatever career it is, whatever you're trying to do in your life doesn't matter. Make goals, make daily goals, make weekly goals, make monthly goals and make long-term goals and really try everything you can do to push yourself to check those boxes off. Um, another thing I would say is I said it before, commit a hundred percent. A lot of people, you know, they'll commit a little bit of time and then they'll get bored or they'll get uninterested or, you know, becomes too hard and, you know, making sure that you're committing 110% is what's going to create success no matter what part of your life it's in. So if somebody approached you right now and said, I want to do what you do, like, where would you point them? You know what I mean? How would you start them off? Uh, insurance or a, a owner of an insurance company? What, what one? say insurance. Insurance. So what I would say is if you want to do insurance, I would look for somebody who specializes in kind of what you want to do. Do you want to do home and auto? Do you want to do business insurance? Um, if you don't know, do a little research and figure out what you want to do and then go work for somebody that you feel like has the ethics and has the work culture that will be a benefit for you. Because a lot of these insurance companies, the work culture is cubicle and it's, you know, I'm not really seeing the light and it's, you know, call a, a thousand people a day kind of thing. And, and if that's yeah. what you want, then great. But, you know, insurance can be kind of dull and, and, and plain. But if you, if you find a work culture that meshes with your personality, I think that's very helpful. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Miss Sophia Adams, this uh, concludes our episode. Um, I wanted to say thank you so much for being a uh, guest appearance on our podcast. You're the first one and many more to come. But thank you so much. Is there anything else? Any final words you want to say to our listeners and our viewers? Yeah, well, thank you guys. I think all three of you guys are awesome. It's been cool getting to know you and you know, working with you on this. And I can't wait to watch your uh, podcast, the future ones. I'm very excited about that. Um, but thank you for having me. It was, uh, it was great. It was awesome talking to you guys. Yeah, it's been fun. Thank you so much for coming. Very informative. We appreciate your time. Yeah. yeah. All right, guys. Well, till next week, stay tuned to Rooted Perspectives. And we'll catch you guys next week. Bye. Bye. Thank you. Thank you.